Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. If you'd like to turn with me, I'm going to be using a scripture in the book of Philippians, chapter 4 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. But first I'm going to tell you the theme of the Bible study. The theme of the Bible study, and again it's called upside down, so we really want the opposite of what I'm about to say. And I alluded to this Sunday morning, worry about everything, pray about nothing. It's a preacher, that's an awful idea. Right, so that's what we're going to do. We want to take that and turn it upside down. And it is possible because you don't have to worry about everything, but it's kind of what we end up doing if we don't pray about things. So worry about everything, pray about nothing. Philippians chapter four, verse six. Now this is how the Bible turns that theme upside down. Paul writing to the church in Philippi said, be careful or worry about nothing. Is that even possible? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Worry about everything, pray about nothing. Turning that upside down. And you say, well, preacher, that nobody does that. Is that true or does that creep into the Christian lives as well? I'm worried about this. I'm worried about my car. I'm worried about, I was just at the dealership today. Not shopping for a new car, but working to diagnose the cancer in my car. Whatever is going on, I don't know. But uh, were you worried? I really wasn't worried. One reason is I knew I was teaching this Bible study. But there's another reason that I wasn't worried. It's because if you pray about something, you don't have to worry about it. Do you remember when you were a kid and you said this, I'm rubber and you're glue. You ever said that when you were a kid? Did you ever say that growing up? Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. You know, because people hurl stuff at you when you're a kid. Well, you know, when you grow up, stuff keeps coming your way. We live in a society where you're drinking information. We used to drink from a garden hose, okay, when I was a kid. We didn't have, I don't think we had bottled water. Did you have bottled water growing up? I don't think so. Unless it was in like a glass bottle or something, but you had a fight, you had a hose, right? A little green hose and tasted like plastic and you let it run to let all the hot water out of it because it had been baking in the sun, plasticizing that water. Now we drink little sections of hose water and they call them bottled water, right? But you'd let that run out and it would get cold and you drink from it and it was fine. You could almost stick it in your mouth. Now, the information coming our way 24 hours a day is like drinking from a fire hose. And you get it on Facebook, Twitter, 24 hour news, YouTube, the newest one, TikTok, and then there'll be other ones and all of these things are coming all of this information, and of course, some of it, it can make you worried because there's so much. Well, 
First of all, I got a joke. Homes are so expensive in my area, I had to move out of the one that I was renting into my friend's bouncy castle. You know, one of those bouncy castles? The rent's pretty expensive, but it's mostly due to inflation. Uh. (laughs) (sighs) Well, I began to think about this Bible study because Paul was preaching in a place called Thessalonica, and he wrote two epistles. In fact, Paul's first letter that he wrote was 1 Thessalonians to encourage people to, you know, stay in holiness and continue in the Christian walk. And many people may be not familiar with that. It's really easy to read. It's just uh, five chapters. But so he's preaching there and some, some people got uh, stirred up. What was he preaching? That Christ must needs have suffered and had risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. So he's preaching the gospel. And some people got bent out of shape about it and stirred up some, they said, lewd fellows of the baser sort, right? The rough crowd. Stirred up some Jews that did not uh, recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Brought them over, assaulted this house of Jason where some things were going on, some gospel preaching was going on. And the accusation was that these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. That Paul is here turning the world upside down and he came to our place too. Well, I really believe that the gospel does turn things upside down. When you get saved, God turns your life upside down. But it's really because your life is upside down. And God flips it and turns it right side up. If you're a Christian, you get saved, your life, I, almost, I was dizzy when I got saved. Not dizzy because I was on something, okay? But I was dizzy because everything was new. When I clicked on the TV, I couldn't watch things comfortably like I used to watch. When I turned on my old music, I couldn't listen to the same music as I used to listen to it. Why? Because God had turned my life upside down. And I believe that if your life hasn't been turned upside down, I'm saying I question your Christianity because when God comes into your life, the Bible says he changes everything. And not to say that we're perfect, but God begins to make us and mold us in his image. It's like a constant massage. And if you've ever had a massage, it's not like gentle, okay? It's like a, you know, an elbow in your in your in your in your in the back of your neck or something because it's getting all that muscle loosened up. That's what the Holy Ghost does with us. Have you ever had the Holy Ghost just all over you, massaging you? You know, no. It feels like someone walking on your back and they're not 100 pounds. They're like 250 pounds, right? But he's loosening us up, right? Because so we drink information from a fire hose. So this a lot of things, we have to get, what's the source of the information? Where's it coming from? What's the slant of the information? It's usually slanted a certain way, right? Like you see someone with their bumper stickers on their car, and you see one or two bumper stickers, and you're like, ah, well, there's probably some more bumper stickers that fit that, right? Whether it's a political affiliation, pro this, anti this, and there's a slant to those bumper stickers, right? If you see... Uh, a certain one, you're going to probably see other ones and not see other ones. 
because there's a slant. It's the same with news media, okay? They're slanted one way or the other way. And also, uh, what's the story of that information? What is that story saying? And I said those things, the source, the slant, and the story, because I make it a habit, and I believe that if you want to cut down on worry this holiday season, thing I do first thing in the morning, okay? First thing in the morning that I do when you get older is you use the restroom, okay? I'm talking about, that's just, you know, that's what happens, right? But the first thing I do, do you know what, sister, what I'm going to say? First thing I do in the morning. Wait, you make your coffee. Yeah, I make my coffee, right? <laughs> so actually, this is going away from the first thing I do. The first thing I read is my Bible. I do not check my email. I do not send a text message. If one of the little blurbs sends up that I got a text message, often I won't even open it. I do not want any information coming into me the first thing in the morning. I don't want some, this Hollywood actor died and this president said this and the inflation's coming and the recession's coming. Every morning, right before you even wake up, when you're still scary looking in the mirror. I don't want any of that. I want the source from heaven. I want the slant from God. And I want the story to be the good news of Jesus Christ. As when that goes in there, then I start to get ready to listen to all the other stuff. And all everyone's, you know, fire, you know, everyone's fires of what's going on and how things are blowing up and ending. And Remember Y2K? Yeah. Oh, the world... The computers are all going to crash. All those computers have crashed because they're out of date now. Now we have new computers. Okay? I think there was a, a what was that called? I think it was a PlayStation, but I don't even know what a PlayStation is. The, the PlayStations I had growing up had like swing sets and they were like jungle gyms. But it was a game, it was a game system, right? Sony, and I was by the dumpster. And so I told my wife, let's go get it. You know, someone had thrown out with controllers. Like, and um, I said, we could give it to someone. I said, I don't even know if it worked. Don't have a TV. I don't even know how you'd check it out. But maybe you could turn it on. So I was like, come on, let's go get it. And so I picked it up. And my wife's like, nah. Do you know how heavy that thing was? It was like 15 pounds. Are they that heavy? The like, first gen or something like that? I'm like... No way. So all those computers have crashed, right? So the Sony Playstations and all these other things, they're in the dumpster, but not because of Y2K, okay? So there's all of this anxiety that's being trumped up. But we, we don't have to worry about everything. We can turn it upside down. And, you know, this isn't something that I'm talking about, about positive thinking. I'm talking about instead, we're going to look at three things real quickly. The first thing is we need to release the regrets of the past. You need to just let it go. I know that I know that's what Anna said in, in uh, Frozen, but we really do. We need to let it go. So this, this husband and wife, they were, driving, they were driving down the road. The husband was the president of the United States. The wife is the first lady. And they were driving down the road. They went in, they needed to get gas, right? So they went into a service station and the attendant started fueling the car, and the president's wife got out of the vehicle, hugged the gas attendant, you know, and spoke to the gas attendant like they knew each other. So after the, gas, the car was full and she got back into the car and sat next to her husband, the president, the president said, who was that? 
And the wife said, um, oh, a high school boyfriend. To which he replied, you mean to tell me that you left the car to talk to him? Don't you realize that you're married to the president of the United States? If you had married him, you'd be the wife of a gas station attendant. She said, honey, I love you. If I had married him, he would be the president of the United States. <laughs> what are you saying? Some people regret that they didn't lick this one or they did this one or they didn't do that. This woman had let go of her regrets, okay? She knew who she was. You know that, brethren, I think we need to let go. If you made a bad decision, here's what the Bible says. Therefore, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are what? Passed away. When will we let certain old things pass away? Well, I bought this car. Well, I bought this thing. Well, I, you know, uh, I, I, I ate this, this, this uh, bad food or I, I, I made this mistake. Or even someone said, you know, Preacher, I can't believe it. I got saved and then I sinned. You know that we're not designed to sin after we get saved. But the Bible said if any man sin, we have an advocate. That means a lawyer. Thank God. Not Morgan and Morgan. I can't believe that's in my head. Stupid ad that you watch every time, right? But we have an advocate in Jesus Christ the righteous. He ever liveth, the Bible said. He ever liveth to make intercession for us between us and the Father. He's seated at the right hand of God constantly, 24 hours a day. The news that the Father is getting is from Jesus Christ. Father, I paid for their sins. Father, I bled on the cross. And Jesus Christ, He is there interceding for us. You know what? We have an intercessor. So if we've done something, why don't we give it to Jesus and let it go? Let it go. But I made a bad decision. Have I ever made a bad decision since I've gotten saved? One or two or 12 or more? Like this person said about mini muffins, I'll eat one or 12, you know? But, but am I going to stick on it? I don't believe that God designed us to do that. I believe that God designed us to turn it upside down and to quit holding on. You just got to let those regrets of the past go away. Uh, I remember um, in being in conference when I saw a lot of people worshiping and I came in a little later so I was in the back so saw a lot of people up front worshiping right so I got a lot of see and there was a, a probably a dad and maybe one or two little kids and the dad was lifting up his hands and worshiping God and then the little the little son he was there and now he must have been seven or eight he was lifting up his hands you know the Bible said I would that men it didn't say men and women. Now, it means everybody. But listen, that men would pray everywhere with holy hands uplifted without wrath or doubting. I believe as that father was lifting up his hands, the reason Paul wrote to the men, you're the example of the believer in your household. And dad was lifting up his hands. And so the little son was lifting up his hands. Once my daughter sat with me because I couldn't find my wife. Sometimes the ladies, a lot of ladies, she was free. My daughter was uh, next to me, and there were some other little girls that she, she was friends with, so she was like a row ahead of me. But as we were praising God, I was watching, 
and she was lifting up her hands and worshiping God. Why? Because she's following the lead. She might really not have a walk with God herself yet, but she's following the lead of her dad. And you say, well, preacher, what do you mean? What does that really mean? We have all kinds of things that we could be worried about, but we choose to worship God. And really, faith and fear aren't opposites, are they? You know what faith and fear are? Faith and fear are two ways that you deal with the unknown. Am I going to have faith or am I going to worry about it? It's two choices. Now, let me tell you, I've worried about stuff that I'm very disappointed in. You know why? It never happened. <laughs> it never happened. And I worried about it. I'm like, oh, shouldn't I? And then my poor wife, she got the, the, the leftovers of my worry. And then my daughter gets the downhill. The snowball rolls and rolls in and then hits the dog all the way down at the bottom, right? There was a, uh, a man... Uh, he was just doing his own thing and said that death was walking by him. And death said, uh, I'm going to that city. And the man said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to take 100 people with me. And the man said, that's horrible. Death said, that's the way it is. I'm death. That's what I do. Okay. And so the man hurried into the city in front of death. And he, he was there to warn everybody about death's plan. As evening fell, he met death again. And the man said, you told me you were going to take a hundred people. And death said, that's right. He said, well, I just read the news, a thousand people died. And death kind of shrugged his shoulders. He said, I kept my word. I only took a hundred people. Worry took the others. You know, a lot of times it's not... It's stress. So preacher, I'm stressed out. Well, I like that one bumper sticker that says, I am too blessed to be stressed. You know, when Christians greet each other, <clears throat> brother, the devil's fighting me. Is the devil fighting you? I don't want to miss the rapture. I hope that we can make it. I hope this person gets elected president. No, you know when Christians meet each other, you know what they say? Bless you. That's what, that's what Christians say. Hey man, God bless you. Because everything that's going on around us, let me tell you, there were bad politics in the time of the early Christians. It was called autocracy. What everybody's fearing on both sides, they had it. In charge was a guy named Caesar. And he, whatever he said, and you worshipped him or you got thrown to the lions, okay? And one Nero actually did that with Christians, okay? And many other things. But Christians, we still say, hey man, bless you. Why? Because we release the fears, the regrets of yesterday. The second thing to worry about nothing is to pray about everything. I refuse the fears of tomorrow. You've got to release yesterday's regrets. And what's happening tomorrow, preacher? I don't know. I like this one bumper sticker. It said something like this. I hope something good happens to you today. Instead of, you know, some nasty thing on someone's bumper sticker. What if something good happens to you tomorrow? What if someone's a blessing you to tomorrow? What if someone buys your meal tomorrow? What if someone, uh, you know what? Things like this, they happen. God is good to people visited my mom and dad and my mom 
took my daughter on a shopping spree and just bought her a bunch of stuff. And I was like, wow. Say, why is that a blessing? She didn't buy anything for you. Yes, she did. Because otherwise, I would be buying all that stuff for my daughter. And let me tell you, and I wouldn't be buying some of it. But, <laughs> but, you know, but it was a blessing. And, you know, God knows. God knows how to bless us. And uh, she didn't even ask my permission. She just went and said, come over here. Come over here. And I'm like, yes, you go, Grandma. Go, Grandma. Go, Grandma. So, uh, preacher, well, how do I refuse the fears of tomorrow? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Bad things could happen tomorrow. Well, yes, they could. But I don't have to let it make me worry because I can pray about it. And here's, what, here's this illustration. I, I read that there's a story of an old devil. Not the devil, but like a demon, okay? He was getting ready to retire, okay? So he put up for auction all the weapons, the spiritual weapons that he had used and all the Christians and all the people through the years. They ranged from laziness to gossip. One of these weapons was worn from frequent use. It was the most expensive of the lot. So a junior demon said, hey, what's this weapon? The old devil said, most people have been able to resist attacks from my other weapons, but as soon as I deployed discouragement, they would fall into the trap and it would be easy to control them. Say, preacher, that'll never work on me. It's worked on me before, because when you're discouraged, what do you do? Nothing. Do you pray? No. No use to pray. Do you read your Bible? No, because I don't believe it even if I read it. Let's go watch Netflix, right? Use someone else's password. <laughs> Thank God, got a password. I don't have Netflix, but anyway, so. But when you're discouraged, you don't want to do anything. When you're discouraged, you're like, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I pray. It doesn't matter if I go to church. It doesn't, and the devil's like, that's just what I want you to do. Don't pray. Just sit on your couch and blame somebody. Blame this one. Blame that one. You know, have a, a pity party with the one hat and the one piece of cake. And the devil will keep serving you more cake with frosting, right? But so I found out discouragement. Well, how do you stop discouragement? So the, the junior demon said of the old demon... What kind of person, is there a kind of person that discouragement doesn't work on? Hmm. Good, good question for a junior devil. The old demon replied, yes. And he kind of dropped his shoulders and he said, discouragement doesn't work on someone with a grateful heart. Brethren, when we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, there is a gratefulness there. Have you ever driven through water before? I mean, in a car, right? And they say that one thing you're not supposed to do when you drive through water is let your foot off the gas. Because if you let your foot off the gas, the water can get sucked into your exhaust pipe. Water and engines, they don't typically play well together, right? So... When you're going through, you don't have to speed through the puddles. Hopefully, you never get caught in water. But you want that, that stuff to the exhaust pressure to keep coming out of your car. Brethren, it's the same thing about worrying about tomorrow. Either I can worry about tomorrow, but if I have that exhaust pressure of thanksgiving and gratefulness, instead of worried about what I don't have, have you made a list of all the things 
that God has given you? Say, preacher, I was even thankful for the old french fry that I found in there. Look, if it's not too old, I'll eat it. I'll eat stale donuts. I'll eat all kinds of things. And I'll, well, I don't know. It depends on where you find it, right? But you know, it's like I got a free ketchup packet and I got a mild sauce from Taco Bell. Man, praise God. I didn't even know that I had these things. Well, that's kind of pushing it, right? But have you ever opened your closet and looked and said, Preacher, I've got 15 pairs of shoes. My uh, Chris Lopez said that there was an Indian uh, prime minister when he was younger. I think he either borrowed shoes or rented a pair of shoes. You have any shoes? How many pairs of shoes do you have? I mean, well, they're not my favorite. I don't but my favorite. But God, thank you for all the things that we have. Thank you for our car and our other car and our other car. And thank you for the gas in the car. And thank you for the oil that I get to keep putting in the car, right? Say, preacher, are you thankful? I have oil in the car. I've got oil in the car, oil in the trunk of the car, and I've got more oil in the house for the trunk of the car when I get through adding extra oil to the car. But I'm just thankful. I've got extra oil. So, but I'm thankful that God has given me those things. Gratitude means being thankful for what you have instead of worried about what you don't have. And being thankful, uh, a, a preacher said that one of these... Uh, Gentleman, he, was, he thought he had cancer of the eye. So he went in for a procedure. And he thought he was going to lose his vision. You might not have thought about that, but you use your vision. It's your dominant sense, okay? If you lose your sense of smell, which I kind of think I did at COVID, some of that's okay because some of the world stinks, man. So if you don't <laughs> smell, that's okay. So it came back. Um, so the world stinks again, but... Uh, so he gets ready to have the procedure and they found out, I guess it's a true story, that it wasn't cancer and it wasn't something that was going to take his vision. It was a minor thing that they could just fix. And when he came out of that surgery, he was so grateful for something he had taken for granted. You know, those people at the hospital right now, they're not going to go home with their loved ones tonight. So well, I'm, I've got a disagreement with my kid and my wife and my husband. Maybe we need to be grateful for what we have. Maybe you need to go home and hug your kids. There's people in the hospital. They're not going to ever go home again with their kids. They're not going to go home with their wife. All these ambulances, when they have their lights on, they didn't plan to spend $100,000 today. Say, so, well, preacher, the ambulance doesn't cost that much. No, that'll probably only cost you a grand, right? But the hospital stay might cost you $100,000. Well, I have insurance. No, I mean, it could still cost you a lot of money, okay? Be thankful. Be grateful. Be grateful that you're not in the hospital. If you've got to scrounge up money for the $1.69 taco, be grateful for the $1.69 taco. And uh, it'll take away that worry when the gratefulness comes out. I like what Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 22. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, right? And he knows that nothing, he doesn't know what's going to happen, right? But he said, Say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. So if the Holy Ghost says it, it's going to happen. Bad things. Bonds, afflictions, trials, imprisonments. I like what he said. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. I refuse the fears of tomorrow. I refuse. Say, preacher, what about this and what about that and what about the other? 
I refuse the fears of tomorrow. Why? Because you can pray about it. Did I tell you about the time? I, I think I did, but I, I, I just, I know things from my personal testimony. My car was going to have a big problem. To cut the story short, I was going to pray that it would only cost a hundred bucks to fix it at the dealer. And then God kind of touched my heart and said, why are you trying to make it something you can understand? And so I said, okay, I pray that the, the dealer fixes it for zero. That's a prayer of faith. And I didn't know if it'd be 600, 700. I didn't know 20 years ago. Long story short, it came out. Zero dollars. Now we're going to always have car bills, but why don't we take it to the Lord in prayer? So what a preacher, what if it costs 600 or 700 dollars? I've had many of those, haven't we all? <laughs> Even more than that. But you know what? I'm still here serving God. Amen. You know, thank God for a car. I rode in a car. Sometimes I ride in the car and it just gets here, right? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Once it broke down and then Brother Papancito came and fixed my fuel pump. Another time... Across the street, I blew my transmission hose and it started to, and my wife was blaming me for that, something else causing that. We were just joking around. And it, it like a stuck pig, it just leaked fluid and there's probably still fluid all over there and I had to get it to, but I got to church. <laughs> you know what? I'm thankful. God's faithful. So preacher, but it's, it's, it's just a car. And the last thing, if we... If we release the fears of the regrets of yesterday and we refuse the fears of tomorrow, then we come close to worrying about nothing when we pray about everything. We receive the peace of today. That's what God, you know what tomorrow is? It's going to be today. And when you get to tomorrow, you can have the same peace as you have right now because the Bible says, and I'll leave you with this. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. That means God will actually protect the peace in our lives. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And Paul repeats that in Philippians chapter 4, the very next verse after the one that I quoted from the Bible study. He said, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep. It sounds like Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God can keep the peace in our hearts. Instead of worrying about everything, and there's things to worry about, brethren, and there's serious things, and praying about nothing, why don't we flip it? Not just not worry about something, but start to pray about everything. And put it in God's hands. Let's hire a professional warrior, okay? I'm thankful that God can, he's not going to go to sleep. He's not going to slumber. He has all of our problems. And he's got the whole world, and us included, in his hands. We just prayed for uh, my niece's surgery. She went to surgery for cancer, if you were here on Sunday. Well, my wife heard it's preliminary, but it was a successful surgery. They haven't figured everything out, but the latest that we heard was that was no cancer. That was the doctor's prognosis. That's a miracle. That's the answer to prayer. So and so she's a young lady. And you know what? There's lots more problems headed our way, but we need a lot more prayer headed out from us. And stay grateful. Stay praying. And you know what? Let's enjoy this holiday season. But let's enjoy a holiday season with less stress and less worry and more prayer and more gratitude for the things that God will give us but that God also has given us upside down. 
Worry about everything, pray about nothing. Let's stick that and turn that upside down so we don't have to worry about anything because we find some time and we just pray about everything. Pray in your car, pray at work, pray when it goes wrong, pray about everything. Little things and big things and watch the stress level just go down. Amen. Amen. Uh, Sister Marlena, would you dismiss us in prayer? God bless you as our prayer. See you Thursday.